I was really getting challenged on my stance on giving. Because it was like, I was doing all the Christian things, like serving, giving of my time, giving of my energy, you know, helping out at the, at the church, helping lead this ministry, lead that thing. But the one thing I wasn't doing is I wasn't giving money wow. because it was my money. Welcome to Getting Money Right, a show dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through education and inspiration so you can be free to pursue your true life's purpose. We are your hosts, Leo Sabo and David Thompson, and on today's episode, we have a guest. Omer Redden is with us today. Omer is an author of four best-selling books, including How to Work from Home. That's a very useful book these days. Life Doc, How to Succeed in Life Without Losing Your Faith, Family, and Friends. And then Give to Grow Rich, Change Your Mind, Change Your Money, which we'll definitely be talking about today. In his day-to-day -day work, he works with an Inc. 5000 fastest-growing company called Self-Publishing School, which teaches people how to publish their books and use those books to leverage their impact, income, and businesses. That's actually how I met Omer. So, Omer, great to have you. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, great to be here. Excited to talk to the Getting Money Right peeps. Well, Omer, I'm particularly looking forward to digging into your views on giving and especially some of the lessons that you've learned by just checking in with multiple billionaires while writing the Give and Grow Rich book. So first, tell me a little bit of how you got to where you are today. And I know that none of this was on accident. So I'm really intrigued as to what the process was, how you started this and what was your plan? That's a great question. How did I get here? Um, I think maybe what would be helpful is like this, this story to kind of uh, set things up. So I was working in a distribution center, um, you know, distribution work, unload box, put on conveyor belt, unload box, put on conveyor belt. And I had been working there for a couple months and this older man looked at me and he goes, Omer, you're too smart to be here. Like you need to be making money with this pointing at his head not with this pointing at his back. And I was like, man, he's right. Like I, it's not that factory life is wrong for everybody, but it wasn't right for me. And so then I just threw myself into, you know, using my mind growing and learning everything I possibly could and doing that year after year for, you know, a decade, that might be what led me here today. Hmm. Interesting. So where are you exactly? Where do you live in what part of the country? I am in the great cowboy state of Wyoming. Hmm. Uh, okay. Very few people. And um, yeah, people are baffled. That's a common question. Is, it, is it more cows than people? Is that how that goes down? That's true. That's true. <laughs> do you guys so, have that same experience in Texas or do you have the same amount of people? You know, we're getting, we're getting to the point where we actually have probably more people than we have cows. Although at one point, I'm sure that was not the case. It was actually flipped. So what made you guys move there? What's the reason for living in Wyoming? There was a, a conversation my wife and I had at late last year, and we had driven out West, like early on in our marriage, got a taste of the West as we drove out. And I just was like, man, if we could ever get back out here again, we'd love to do it. And I'd been working with self-publishing school for about four years, 
going on five at the time. And my wife's like, honey, you work from home as long as we have internet access. Like, I think we could do it. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Let's, let's give it a shot. Um, so it's kind of like making a dream come true for my wife and I on one hand, but then on the other hand, it was like projecting ahead 10 years in the, in the lives of my kids and saying, man, my oldest is uh, eight going on nine years old. She's going to be like 19, like graduating and moving out of the house wow, in 10 yeah. years, you know, and here we are moving into a new decade. And so I just, I started thinking like, how could we set up our lives in a way that it's what we want for our kids and it's what our kids want too. And so like, this isn't a knock on the Midwest by no means. I grew up in the Midwest, you know, proud Hoosier, but it's like, I was looking around at, at the friends and the lifestyle and I was like, man, there's two options basically. Like you're either really good at athletics and really good at academics yep. and, and then you excel and you go to college or whatever, or you go the way of like drugs, partying and factory life. Those kind of seemed like the two options. And specifically with athletics, it's like, oh, you've only got three options there, right? Like you've got to be football, basketball, and baseball. And right, if you're not right. those things, then forget it. And my wife and I were like, we just don't want that kind of lifestyle for, for our kids. We don't want them having only those options. We want them to be out, outdoors more, hiking, enjoying the mountains, enjoying some, some skiing and just all the stuff that kids love to do, like being outdoors and getting dirty. Yeah. Uh, you can do that anywhere, but I think out West, there's a lot more of that kind of lifestyle and that mentality. I love that. Okay. So you're really intentionally building a future for your kids. Like you physically moved, you've, you've set up a lifestyle where you can work from home and then you moved for your kids. I'm kind of curious as to what it looked like for you growing up. What were you taught about money? You wrote this great book, you know, what, what were you taught originally and, and how has that affected you? I wasn't taught any of this stuff. <laughs> I'll say that. Um, I, I grew up in a definitely a lower middle class town and a lower middle class mindset and lifestyle. So I, I was listening to your guys' podcast on like the scarcity and poor mindset. And I was just like, man, that's, that's exactly how I grew up. Like whatever's cheapest and, and that's it. Like you just live for the cheapest. And so I grew up with a dad who always bought used lawnmowers, who always bought used everything all the time. And it's not that you can't find good used things. It's that he was buying bottom of the barrel things and then having to spend all his time fixing them up and getting upset about having to fix them up and all that stuff. And I was just like, man, that's not like, that's not where I want to be. Um, one, I'm not super mechanical, but two, like, I just don't want to be buying broken things all the time. I want to buy things that are going to last and have some quality to them. That's good. So when did your mind begin to shift as, as your views, as you grew up, when did that happen for you? Cause you obviously have different views today. So we want to hear about that, but what, what was the actual change? Yeah. You know, I did, I did carry one good lesson from my parents and that was saving. Um, the problem was it was saving with like a hoarder mentality. So just like, Oh, the more I can have or the stinginess or greediness and that sort of thing. And it's not to say my parents are super stingy or greedy, but it's just like, that was the mentality of like, you saved for that reason. Mm -hmm. um, and 
I, I think my views started to shift with uh, two Kevins. So I had a Kevin in high school that I worked for, and he was like the wealthiest guy in the community in the in the county. And I just saw like what his lifestyle was versus what I grew up in. I was like, man, that's there's some appeal to that. Um, and then that, the second Kevin was a Kevin I met in college, and he was a real estate investor, and that's what he did full time. And and he had a, an immense amount of freedom, but also had a, an immense amount of discipline in how he approached his day to day work as a real estate investor. And those those were two people that just kind of like gave me a a vision of a brighter future and a vision of what's actually possible. Like there's so many more jobs, so many more opportunities, so many more things you can do than work in a factory. Yeah, that's good. So what was the turning point? What what actually happened? Obviously you connected with these guys, I'm sure because of what you saw in their own life, the way they modeled that to you. I'm sure you guys had conversations. There was maybe even a an informal mentorship going on there. Obviously it impacted you, but what, what was the actual shift and what did you, what would you pinpoint that and what would you say happened? The guy at the factory or the distribution center that I mentioned at the top, uh, that was a big moment. Uh, another big moment is like, I know you guys are Christians and strong believers and yeah. I, I am as well. And so I came kind of like through the ranks. So I, I went through Bible college, okay. then I served in ministry, then I went into seminary. And then I, as I finished that, I was really getting challenged on my stance on giving because it was like, I was doing all the Christian things like serving, giving of my time, giving of my energy, you know, helping out at the, at the church, helping lead this ministry, lead that thing. But the one thing I wasn't doing is I wasn't giving money wow. because it was my money. Right. It's a mindset. Yeah. Well, and you're, and you were raised with that scarcity mentality where you hold on to everything. I mean, you hold on to money. And so, I mean, that's just interesting to even see that tie in that here you are, you've dedicated at that point, you know, your whole life to serving and learning and growing in that sphere of influence. And yet the money is the one thing that hasn't fully shifted yet. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I was 10 years into my relationship with Jesus and still not like being a consistent giver and yeah. just getting challenged on that. It was like, man, that's, that's tough because I, I want to give money, but I don't feel like I have enough. Right. right. Like it's right. that mentality all the time. I never enough, never enough, never enough. And anybody who's worked in ministry knows you, you aren't getting paid the big bucks, right? but right. it is a matter of your heart as to, and just determining a percentage and going with it. That's incredible. I think that's something that a lot of people can relate to, especially if they're coming from a Christian background and a biblical worldview, uh, and and they grew up in the Midwest, uh, like like we did type of, type of deal, or in the Bible Belt, and and there has been a lot of um, scarcity mindset that runs around in the culture, and so it it is it's something you really have to wrestle with. There's a major shift that happens in your brain to go from there's not enough, there's not enough to, I'm going to intentionally set this aside as the first thing I do in a percentage format and say, okay, I'm dedicating this first portion. That's a big deal. So, so what prompted you to write the book? You're having this personal revelation. Uh, you're, you're learning new things personally, you're growing. And now you decide to write a book called Give 
and grow rich? Like, what was that process? What prompted you on that? Yeah, uh, let me be straight up. I didn't have the title when I started the book, right? Like the title came as a result of doing all the research and doing all the interviews for the book. Um, yeah, I was, I was going through that personal revelation type of thing. I was, I was seeing my life starting to develop, right? Like I had two kids with a third on the way. I saw the trajectory of my life at that point and was like, man, I do not like where this is going. It feels like it's going to be groundhog day, right? Like I'm just going to repeat over and over again. So I, I knew number one, I needed to learn a new mindset when it came to money. Like I just knew I needed to do something because there was a significant gap between what I grew up with and what I saw from those two Kevins and where I wanted to be. So mm. I needed to close that gap. Um, the second thing was like, I really truly believe that I'm a writer and, and that the Lord's equipped me to do that. And so I felt like I needed to kind of step into that gifting a little bit more. I had been blogging up to that point, but hadn't seriously put a book together. And then um, my wife knew I loved to write. And she was like, you just need to put your money where your mouth is, right? Like actually publish a book. I was like, all right, all right. Uh, but yeah, those, those were a few things that factored in. Um, as, I don't know if we want to go this route, but there was something that as I was doing the research for the book really hit me hard. And that was from my dad. So ironically, like it kind of came full, full circle back. My, my dad, I interviewed him for the book. And one of the things that he told me was this story of when he and my mom um, bought this guy a brand new set of tires for his vehicle. That it was a guy he worked with and he was super down on his luck and in a really bad spot. And they just kind of did this out of the goodness of their hearts. And it stuck out to me so significantly because it's like that thing had happened 20 years prior and my dad still remembered it and still yeah. talked about it. And, and it obviously affected him. Like it was something that was near and dear to his heart and it was a giving thing, right? Like it was, it wasn't something he bought. It wasn't something he earned. It wasn't something he had. It was something he gave. And that really stuck out to me. So how long did it take for you to research and write the book? You said that the title didn't come until later. So I'm not sure what your mindset was when you started writing it. Obviously, it had something to do with money. But tell us about that process. How long did it take? Uh, what made you title it what you titled it? I probably started the research about six to nine months before I actually came up with the title and published. The way I went about it is I, I interviewed seven guys from seven different income brackets. So guys making 20,000 a year all the way up to a million a year. And then I interviewed, well, I didn't interview, but I read the biographies of seven billionaires and from very different times, from very different industries. And as I started to see the trends coming through those interviews and through those readings, then I was like, oh, wow, here's the difference. Here's a poor mindset. Here's like a middle-class mindset that's growing. Here's a rich mindset. Like here's how billionaires take the rich mindset to a whole new level. Mm. Um, that, and, and all of that seen through the lens of my faith, right? And like, how, how does wealth, like how does your faith interact with your finances and how does your wealth inf 
how does your faith influence your wealth? I guess is what I'm trying to say there. Yeah, that's good. Well, some of the things I know about the book is that some of the mindsets and the different attitudes that you saw, especially in these billionaires, um, it's something that David and I had touched on before. And I always find it a little bit unnerving to say this because I assume that there's people out there that are not in a financial good place. You know, they might be struggling financially and they look at a Jeff Bezos or some kind of billionaire that's in the news all the time and they think, yeah, sure, they're generous. Of course they're generous because they got the ability to be generous. And yet most of us, I've done a bunch of research on wealthy people myself because I do find it very interesting. I struggle with a scarcity mindset, grew up in a very, I grew up in a communist country, so there was a scarcity all around. But having to change from an employee mindset to, to embracing an investor and an entrepreneur and actually starting a business, all of that was very new for me. And some of that came from influences like you've had and also by reading and studying other people that were different than me, especially when it came to the way they viewed the world and money. And one of the things that we found very clearly in, our, in most of the research we've done on the wealthy mindset is that wealthy people are extremely generous. And I think it surprises most people, but it doesn't surprise us because you realize once you get to the point where you no longer fight to just make it another day or to put enough cushion between you and bankruptcy or whatever it is you're running from, that you realize, I really don't need that much. And now you realize, gosh, I should do something with this. And that other door opens to generosity and to, to doing something for others. And I think that's what your book uh, really gets into quite a bit. So let's talk about uh, what is it about those seven guys uh, that you learned? Talk about that and talk about some of the things that you learned through that research. Yeah, so I was reading, um, let's let's name off a few of them, right? Okay, so we, we read Rockefeller, um, Barnegie, Ray Kroc, Sam Walton, Steve Jobs, Elon Musk. Like those were some of the guys that I was reading. So I was trying to get some old school, some, you know, middle 1900s area and yeah. then like, newer newer billionaires and you're right the consistency across the board is these guys are extremely generous mm -hmm. and they were generous before they were wealthy mm -hmm. because they wanted to serve people in a way that added so much value in a way that like was going to change the fabric of our society so like they had a grandiose vision but it was to help people and so whether it was helping people travel faster or helping people have cleaner oil for that or helping people um, have, have technology to interact and, and for us to do calls like this through Zoom. Yeah. You know, it's just like we could do this on iPhones if we wanted to, but it's like those kind of visions of what we could do if we could only make things easier or simpler or better for people. Like that was huge to see that across the board with those guys. And, and another thing was like, none of them retired or mm. ever wanted to retire. Like retirement um, isn't a concept that exists in the Hebrew language, which I find fascinating. <laughs> and, you know, it's in business secrets of the Bible, uh, if you guys want to check it out. But like that mentality was something they worked 12 hours a day all their lives because they were that passionate about it. They were that involved with it. They were that um driven to help because they had all the money, right? They could have retired at any point. They could have retired in their thirties probably, but like right. they just kept going because they, they saw the vision for it. Yeah. You reference business secrets of the Bible. Is that uh rabbi Daniel Lappin? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And we talked about his book, Thou Shall Prosper, um, in that scarcity uh, mindset podcast episode that we did. And he really does. He does a phenomenal job highlighting the mindset shift that it takes. And so and I, I think that that's what you've a lot of what you've captured as well through these interviews and through this uh, time of digging in and, and, and getting every layer. I love that you did that. You went 20,000 and then layer by layer up to million dollars a year income and then went and read billionaires and seeing that difference. I think that's incredible. So um, you've got those big lessons. What did, what did you learn? Like what, what did you take away from the seven billionaires? Is there anything for you personally and, and anything that you've taken home and, and done in your own house or just in your own life? Like what are some of the things that you're doing? Yeah. So I think I was already a lifelong learner. I mean that, and all the billionaires and wealthy people are lifelong learners, right? Like read a book a week all my life. So that, that was reaffirming. And I think the work ethic part was reaffirming. I've always had a really strong, solid work ethic. Maybe that's a blue collar, middle-class thing. I don't know, but like solid work ethic, lifelong learner. Um, the thing that obviously stuck out to me was the giving because I wasn't doing it. <laughs> and so then I'm, I'm over here like, oh, wow. So actually the secret to growing rich is to give more. Like, to give more of your time, to give more of your money, to give more of your efforts and energy towards serving and toward helping instead of trying to cling to it. And mm. yeah, I would say that was probably the biggest like personal takeaway. That's great. I mean, that's, that's such a profound thing. I just want to pause and kind of restate that, that the secret to growing rich, and we can take that to be financial, we can take that to be in other ways, because being rich, I know in our Western society, we think about that as monetary, but really richness of life comes from having the right relationships, uh, finding fulfillment in what you're doing. So it could be your work life, it could be your, um, you know, the relationship you have, all of it, right? But becoming rich, being successful in that way is to give more. You give more of your time, give more of your money, give more of your energy, more of your talent, and I, I agree with you. I just recently finished Titan, which was the book, uh, a biography for Rockefeller. L large, large book. Took a while to get through it. But I saw the same thing. Consistently, a guy who was generous and frugal. He wasn't cheap, but he was very frugal. That's one of the other th uh, things that I've seen in billionaires and very successful uh, people is that they don't, they're not wasteful. They don't just buy stuff to buy stuff. In fact, uh, one of my favorite books, The Millionaire Next Door, an interesting part of that book that I found fascinating is how little money, people that are millionaires, literally the people who have started businesses become you know, first generation millionaires, how little they spend on some of the things that most people spend a lot more on, like on shoes and clothing and cars. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It's a very, very interesting read because it, again, focuses on the mindset. So just a quick pause here. I do want to go back to the book, but how did you connect with self-publishing school? Because this, I think this is an interesting story. So I signed up with the program as it was just getting started mm -hmm. to write Give and Grow Rich. So I had used their free stuff and tried to write a book first and I did okay with it. But then I was like, okay, this, this is one that I'm actually going to put some money toward. And I signed up with self-publishing school in February. And then I think it was... April or May, um, I was on a coaching call and I sold myself into a position. Basically, uh, Chandler That's kept so trying awesome. to talk back to me, like, 
dude, this coaching call is for you. It's for your book. I was like, the biggest help for me would be to have an opportunity with you guys. Cause I believe in what you're doing. I see the vision for it long-term. Like I want to help out however I can. And so um, Chandler took a chance on me. I took a chance on them kind of started with like part-time well, we started project basis, then went part-time, then went full-time. So I published my book in, I think it was May. It had a great launch. It went really well. I was ahead of Dave Ramsey for a couple of weeks, which was Whoa, just like awesome. super, yeah, it was huge celebration. Uh, and then of course, like as I quit working on the book and started working on helping other people, um, then I got into self-publishing school and so by the end of that summer, I was full-time with them and I, yeah, have been with them ever since. So I was employee number one at self-publishing school, which is pretty wild. Wow. Okay. So you launch your book, uh, you're working with self-publishing school, connecting, growing, you're learning these really great effective tools to launch it and do well. So you finally launched it. What do you do next? Like, what's your next step? Hey, I, I've finally used, but eight, you said six to nine months of research and time and energy and editing and tweaking and cover designs and planning and launch teams. What, what do you do next? I celebrated the success of it. Yes, right? like, yes. It felt so good to put in all that effort and then reap some rewards from it. Um, but I th the thing that I, I was reflecting back on this the other day, the thing that happened after I published that book is I gave away the biggest thing I've ever given away. Oh, wow. And it was crazy. Like I hadn't put that connection in place until I was like reviewing some old notes and, and just stumbled across it. So yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, what I, <laughs> so if I can paint the picture for a second, I yeah. was working at this uh, working at this factory still, making less than 40k a year, raising a family, had three kids, um, just kind of like in a very difficult spot financially. But there was one morning at church, we we kind of had like the church service, and then there was a potluck afterward, and people were sharing some stuff, and I heard this story of a single mom who was just like, Jesus had just gotten a hold of her and she was trying to like climb out of the depth and get her feet back under her and was experiencing that transition and that transformation, which was just incredible to watch. And she expressed the need for a car. Mm. And I was, my wife and I were at a point where we really only needed one vehicle. And um, so we, we gave her our car and wow. it was such an incredible experience. Like, you know, like she was just in tears and just so thankful. And my wife and I, our hearts couldn't have been more full. Like it was just an awesome, awesome experience. And when that happened, it's like the whole thing just clicked. And I was like, yep, that's when you give and you grow rich. What a great story. And I think this is a good place for us to end this episode but don't worry we'll continue the conversation in the next episode on give and grow rich well i hope that you enjoyed this episode of getting money right uh, with omer 
Redden. And you can find his books if you just search Omer Redden on Amazon. You can find Give and Grow Rich. You can find Life Doc. And you can find How to Work from Home. And he's actually got several other books that he's written as well. So just go to his author page on Amazon at Omer Redden, O-M-E-R-R-E-D-D-E-N, Omer Redden. You can also find his Instagram and follow him there, uh, anywhere on social media and his blog. And I'm just so grateful, Omer, that you joined us today. I hope that you'll also come check out leosabo.com, spend some time with Leo, the tools and resources on his website, and then come check out stewardshippastors.com and the tools that we've got there. And I hope that you'll also just take some time to, to list this on your social media, share this episode, uh, text it to a friend, grab a link from the, from the podcast, share it with somebody, let them know what we're doing here. That's a huge help to us as well as, well as subscribing to the podcast. And probably the most important thing that I want to share at the end of this is just to remind you about our beta course that we're going to have at the beginning of 2021, where we're going to take people through before we're going to pre-screen and take people through our financial course in advance of rolling it out to the public. And so we are screening and letting in a handful of people, a couple families, a couple individuals that we're going to work with over January and February we're going to build the course, we're going to share it with people, but then we're going to tweak the course as we go through this beta together. So I hope that you would uh, take a moment, fill out the Google form. There's a little survey. It's a, it's in the show notes. You can find it on our social media as well and fill out that form. And that will give you the opportunity to basically apply for the beta course. And Leo and I are going to go through and pick a handful of families and individuals that will join us. There'll be a lot of hands-on relational stuff that Leo and I are going to do with that team and you'll be a part of helping to tweak and edit the course to make it greater for other people uh, throughout the year. So come check out the beta course with us. Well, we look forward to having you join us next time. So together, we, we can keep, keep getting, getting money right. My wife and I were at a point where we really only needed one vehicle. And um, so we, we gave her our car and wow. it was such an incredible experience. Like, you know, like she was just in tears and just so thankful. And my wife and I, our hearts getting a bit more full. Like it was just an awesome, awesome experience. And when that happened, it's like the whole thing just clicked. And I was like, yep, that's when you give and you grow rich. Mm -hmm.